All right, there we go. Well, I get a new battery for this. Well, good morning, everybody. Even with technical difficulties, we still believe that Jesus reigns, right? Well, this morning we are talking about a very special day in the life of the church. We are talking about Palm Sunday. Now, when I was a kid, I used to think that this was all about the kids, right? Coming in and waving the, the palms and looking super cute. And that this was a day of celebration, right? Everyone's shouting, Hosanna, which means Lord, save us. And they say, blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. There we go. Thank you. Shane, save us. <laughs> Jesus heals, yeah. <laughs> but what I realized as I got older, is the irony of the people who are waving those palms, who are shouting Hosanna when Jesus comes into Jerusalem, are the same people that by the end of the week are shouting, crucify him. And that's because Jesus is the unwanted king. Jesus doesn't come and and make the world that we desire. He didn't come to be the Messiah that the Jewish people wanted. He came to do something wholly different and wholly unique. And so the people who went from shouting Hosanna started shouting crucify him. What's really interesting, something else I've learned, that as Jesus was coming down from the Mount of Olives and with the donkey and the disciples and all that wonderful story that we've always heard and with the people waving the palms and shouting Hosanna and saying blessed be the one who comes in the name of the Lord, that likely, maybe even the same day as Jesus is coming in from the east, that from the west would have come the Roman army. You see, Passover is a very difficult time for the Jewish people because this is when God set them free from one empire that was oppressing them. And at this point, they were being oppressed by the Roman Empire. And they prayed daily that a Messiah would come and overthrow the Romans and put them on top. And so you can imagine Passover, which is a day about freedom and God saving them, was a day that the the rebels would get out and, and start talking about, man, we need to rise up against the Romans. And so the Roman uh, garrison would have come in. They did not stay in Jerusalem. They were at Caesarea, which is by the ocean. And they would have come in from the west as Jesus was coming in from the east. We know this because Pilate is in Jerusalem. Even though his seat of governance is Caesarea, he is in Jerusalem to try Jesus this week. So we know that Pilate was there. And there's no way that Pilate, the Roman governor, is coming in without his army. So I have a couple clips. I want, I want us just to think about the difference of the, of the two different entrances into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday. Should we use another gate? No, the gate's important. My father will never abandon me.
So you see the difference, right? You see, Jesus, although he is coming in as a king, because the Messiah was supposed to ride down from Bethany on a donkey, so he's not saying that this, is, this means that he is not a king, but he's coming in a much more humble way. He's coming on the back of a donkey. And he's saying, I am the king of peace, and I come to bring a new way. In fact, in John, it talks about Jesus weeping for Jerusalem because he knows that in a few years, Jerusalem is going to pick up the sword, and it's going to mean the end of Jerusalem because the Romans are going to destroy them. And so he weeps because if you only knew, he tells them, if you only knew what I was coming to bring you, and his heart breaks because people could have that day chosen Jesus. What's interesting, though, is that the people, even the people who are shouting Hosanna, abandon Jesus by the time he is tried and crucified. There's only a handful of women left and maybe one disciple. Even his most faithful followers abandon him because Messiahs do not die. Messiahs do not lose. And yet Jesus, through his death, wins the greatest victory of all time. So today, what we are talking about is this incredibly important point that we recognize Jesus as king and yet knowing in our heart of hearts that we'd rather crucify him than serve him. One author says we would rather crucify God, we'd rather kill God than live in obedience to God. And every day that we make a choice away from God, every day we decide to serve God others instead of God, every day that we shout for violence, every day that we shout for greed or lust, we turn and we show up at the Roman parade as they come into town. Because we're saying we'd rather have the way the world does it than the way that Jesus does it. Our scripture today comes from Mark chapter 11, verses 1 through 11. Excuse me. This is what it says. When Jesus and his followers approached Jerusalem, they came from Bethpage and Bethany at the Mount of Olives. So Jesus and his disciples were coming up from Jericho, which Jericho is the lowest city on earth. It's 800 feet below sea level. And as you rise out of Jericho and you ascend up this mountain into Jerusalem, because Jerusalem is in the mountains, it's, it's a desert. And so they would have gone through a desert on their way to Jerusalem, and they would have gotten to the top of the mountain, and all before them would have been this valley of vegetation and life. Before them would have been the city of God, where God had said, this is my city, these are my people, this is where I live in the temple. And he dwelt among them. And as Jesus gets to the top of that mountain, can you imagine what was going through his mind, what was in the pit of his stomach? He knew what would happen in just a few short days. He knew he was going to the cross. He knew he was going to die for the sins of the world. And yet, he descends the mountain anyways. Jesus gave two disciples a task saying, go into the village there. As soon as you enter it, you will find tied up there a colt that no one has ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone says to you, why are you doing this? Say, its master needs it. And he will send it back right away. They went on and found a colt tied to a gate outside the street and they untied it. And some people sitting around them said to them, what are you undoing untying the colt? They told them just what Jesus said, and they left them alone. They brought the colt to Jesus and threw their clothes upon it, and he sat on it. Many people spread out their clothes, and on the road, while others spread branches cut from fields. Those in front of him following were shouting, Hosanna, 
Blessed be the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessings on the coming kingdom of our ancestor David. You see, they knew he was the king. They knew he was the Messiah. Hosanna in the highest. Jesus entered Jerusalem and went into the temple. After he went to look around at everything, because it was already late in the evening, he returns to Bethany with the twelve. This was a symbol. Riding in on a donkey was, was prophesied in Zephaniah 9.9 that the king would come riding into Jerusalem on a donkey. They knew. You don't cut branches off of trees and start waving them and yell, Hosanna, Jesus, save us, unless you know that this is the king. You don't throw your good cloaks on the ground and have a donkey walk across it and probably do the other things that donkeys do. It'll come to you in a second. Unless this is the king. This is someone who is incredibly important. They knew it. They knew he was the Messiah. They knew he was the king. And yet, what was he the king of? Here's a man who had come and in his healing and his teaching had preached that the last shall be first. That Jesus would leave the 99 to find the one, the lost, the broken. He had come to provide hope for the hopeless. To turn the religion of his day on, on, upside down and say that, you know, some ordinary people could follow a rabbi and become disciples and change the world. Jesus was an incredible, incredible king. He was a teacher, a leader, and he changed everything. And he changed the way our society works. And he said, there's this new way of being human. Repent from your old ways. Follow me, and I will show you how to live. In Matthew chapter 13, it says, or chapter 7, it says, enter through the narrow gate for wide is the gate, and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate, and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few will find it. Meanwhile, we have the Roman Empire, the other parade that would have come into town. And the important people of their day would not have been there waiting for Jesus, because whenever the Roman governor came to town, you would have been outside the town, waiting so the Sadducees, the temple priest, King Herod, were probably outside the town waiting for the Roman, Roman governor to come into town, giving him honor, saying he represents the one who is from God. That's what the emperor believed, that he was a son of God, that he was bringing peace, the Pax Romana. They just believed that it was on the edge of a sword, that by defeating the world's enemies, that they could bring peace. At its height, the Roman Empire was five million kilometers Square kilometers. It, it was the entire Mediterranean area, most of Europe, from England all the way to Iraq. It was huge. It was powerful. And this is what Jesus faced down as he came into Jerusalem. And today we have to make a choice of which parade are we going to show up for. Are we going to go to Jesus' parade and shout, Hosanna, Lord, save us? Save us from our sins. Save us to be the people that you want us to be. Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. And are we going to remain faithful? Are we going to be there at the cross? Are we going to be there at the empty tomb? Are we going to be yelling crucify and put our trust in the Roman Empire? Jesus is about love and sacrifice. Pilate and the Romans were about Rome and the powerful. Jesus was about obedience through love. Rome was about obedience through might. 
Jesus is about the golden rule, treat others as you would like to be treated. Rome was about golden Rome and whatever they could do to make themselves richer, specifically the Roman emperor who controlled 90% of the Roman empire's wealth. One man, one person. In Jesus' way, everyone is loved, everyone is blessed, everyone has a place. In Rome, only Roman citizens matter. In Jesus, he tells us that we are about the least of these. Blessed are the poor in spirit, blessed are the broken, blessed are those who mourn. In Rome, it's only about the wealthy and the elite. The question is, who will you follow? Jesus is telling us that the way to follow him is narrow. God's grace is incredible. It's for everyone. Somehow God provides it to everyone. And through the power of the Holy Spirit, God is calling everyone into relationship with Jesus. But actually following him is very difficult. It's putting aside the powers of the world. It's putting aside the sword. It's putting aside violence. It's putting aside greed. It's saying, I want my neighbor to be taken care of. I want people who look differently than me to be taken care of. I'm not going to seek retribution for people I hate. Jesus' gospel is personal. They shouted, Hosanna, Lord, save us. When Jesus comes to us, we say, Lord, save us from our sins. We need that personal salvation, right? We need to shout Hosanna. We need to be saved from our old ways so we can repent, so we can change our hearts and minds. But Jesus' message is also political. When he says he is the king, we just said Jesus is our king, right? Through several different songs, we sang about Jesus being our king. That means we owe Jesus our life and our obedience. He is our Lord. He is our guide. We follow Jesus in everything. And it not only means that we have personal piety in how we live our life, but it means we have social piety in how we live our life. Now, I'm not talking about a political, particular political party, but we are called to be political because being political means being involved in the community, to be involved in what matters to our neighbors, both here and around the world. So how can we be about Jesus' work? How can we follow Jesus as king in our world? That's what we have to ask ourselves every single day. What would Jesus have me do in this situation? How would Jesus have me respond? How would Jesus have me act? How can I act with more love and forgiveness? How can I be more obedient to the call that God has on my life? The lower lifted up. Jesus talks about poverty more than anything else. He says that we are called to help the poor, the widow, the orphan. If our faith does not involve helping the broken, then we're not following Jesus. It's just part of it. If it does not involve the least and the last and the broken, the refugee, the people who look different, who act different, who think different than us, then we are not following Jesus. If Jesus is your king, stop making your viewpoint, stop making your perspective and saying that's Jesus. We need to open our scriptures. We need to see what Jesus has to say, and then we need to live it out every single day, both in our personal life and in our communal life. One of the scriptures that hangs in my house is from Joshua, and I love this. This is at the end of Joshua's life. And he's gathered all the people of Israel, and he takes time and he reminds them about God being faithful and how God is being faithful and have given them the promised land. 
We have the promised land. We have salvation in Jesus Christ. We have the promised land. But we still have to be faithful, even in the midst of that promise. And he, he knows he's going to die. And he knows that people are fickle, right? And he knows that people's hearts are going to turn away from God the first chance they get. So this is what he says. He says, so now revere the Lord. Serve him honestly and faithfully. Put aside gods that your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates and in Egypt and serve the Lord. But if it seems wrong in your opinion to serve the Lord, then choose today whom you will serve. Choose the gods whom your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you live. But as for me and my family, I will serve the Lord. That's what's happening on Palm Sunday. There's a choice. There's two parades coming into Jerusalem. There's the king of peace coming down the mountain. And we're called to sing Hosanna and say, blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. On the other side of the city, there's the Roman Empire, which represents how the world does things. Through the sword, through greed, through violence, to saying that some people are better than others. That to survive in this world, to get yours, you have to take it from someone else. And we have to decide today who we're going to follow. What gods are you going to worship? What gods as a church are we going to worship? Are we going to follow Jesus? If we choose to follow Jesus, we need to show up. And we need to wave our palms and we need to say, Jesus, save us. Save us from our sins. Save us from us trying to dominate the world instead of trusting you, Lord. Which parade are you going to show up for this morning? The way of the world or the way of Jesus? In the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.